our Bibles tonight. We're going to be in James chapter 5. James chapter 5. We've been uh, looking on our midweek services on Thursday night, uh, looking at the subject, uh, going through the Bible, looking at that phrase, one another, and looking at our responsibilities as Christians, one to another. And uh, you know what, folks? I mean, uh, as Christians, uh, we get to be part of a very amazing um, body known as the church and uh, the body of Christ. And, uh, you know, we, we better get to like each uh, or know what, how we need to love one another and respond to one another. We're going to be spending eternity together, amen, along with a bunch of other saints from all other ages. And so it's important that we understand these things, learn these things. And so we're going to look at another one tonight, James chapter 5. If you find your place, stand with me together as we read the Bible beginning in verse 13. Here's what the Bible says. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults. Here we go. You ready? One to another. And pray one for another, that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converted the sinner from the error of his way shall save his soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sins. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you for the opportunity to be here. We ask God that you'd help us, meet with us, speak to us. We pray through your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help me, Lord, as I uh, teach and preach your word, God. Give me the words to say. Uh, Lord, bless us as we uh, open the scripture and look at some things that would be a blessing and a help to us. We love you and thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Again, verse 16, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another. Now, we're not going to get to, uh, we'll talk a little bit about it tonight, uh, but uh, we will eventually get to the one that says praying one for another. But the one we want to look at tonight is what it says in the beginning of verse 16, and that is this, confess your faults one to another. Now, what we're going to look at, very interesting tonight, as we uh, look at the different places in the Scripture, is that this idea of confessing our faults, and I will explain exactly exactly what that's talking about, is a lot of it is connected to this thing of prayer. And you notice here in uh, our, our passage here in James chapter 5, uh, part of what we see is this thing of prayer. And uh, verse 13, is any of you afflicted? Let him what? Pray. Amen? Let him pray. By the way, let me just say this, and and uh, usually at some point every year as I teach and preach, I, I take some of the messages and teach and, uh, teach and preach on prayer. Uh, there's one of that, That's probably one of the most important things as Christians is that of prayer, and it's probably one of the things we do the least of. Amen? And the devil knows it. He knows the importance of prayer, the power of prayer. That's why he fights us so hard to do it. But it's interesting here uh, that we see this thing of prayer, and this thing of prayer is connected to uh, physical sin. Look at verse 14. Is any sick among you? Now, folks, let me just say this, all right? It is, it is not God's will to heal everyone the same way, okay? Uh, now, you say, well, why does God choose to do it in some instances and some instances He doesn't? I don't know. I'm not God. I, w- I wish sometimes I, I, you know, could understand so I could help uh, people uh, give answers when they need them. But all I know is this, folks, uh, whether or not God chooses to heal them here or takes them on to heaven, ultimately they're getting healed. Amen? Yeah. 
Because let me just say this, when a person who's a Christian leaves this earth, they're getting ultimate healing. I can tell you that. And so the why God does it, I don't know. I'm not God. But the Bible does tell us here specifically, verse 14, that if a person is sick, uh, they are to, and by the way, the initiative is on the person that's sick, is for them to call for the elders of the church, or that would be the leaders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Many a times I have been part of of an oil anointing ceremony. And here's what the pastor would always say, and now that I'm the pastor, I say this, there's no, the, 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 the oil is not some magic oil, okay? All it is is what would have been in the scripture, which would have been olive oil, all right? And uh, all you do, the Bible says, is anoint with oil and pray over them. The power is not in the, anoil, uh, in the anointing oil, the power is in the God, amen? It is the, is the prayer, hearing, and answering God. And you know what? I've seen, I've seen people that have been anointed with oil, God extend their time on earth. My grandfather was one of those. He found out he had cancer. And of course, he did seek treatments, but before he sought treatments, uh, he did exactly what it says in James chapter 5. He came to the elders of the church. We anointed him with oil. The doctors gave him five months. God gave him five years. And so, I, again, folks, I, I, it's, it's, not a, it's not a magic potion. God doesn't always choose to do it the same way. But I believe this. If, if a person has a physical ailment and they are willing to do so and they want to do so, this is a very biblical thing to do. Now, all that to say, let's, let's keep going and see where we're going to this thing about confessing faults. Verse 15, and the prayer, there's the word prayer again. The prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Verse 16, confess your faults one to another. Now, let me explain what that's talking about, because let me tell you what it does not mean, okay? It doesn't mean that the Bible's commanding you to go around telling everybody about every sin you committed today, all right? By the way, you know what? You There is a person that you need to confess your sins to. By the way, the word here is not sins, it's faults different, okay? And um, uh, there is a person that you ought, you ought to confess your sins to. And by the way, he's your priest. Guess what? I'm not him. All right? Okay? I don't dress like a mother and expect you to call me father, okay? I'm not your priest. You do have a priest, amen? And you know what his name is? Jesus Christ. He's our great high priest that's passing the heavenlies right now, sitting at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us, Amen? And so, yes, we do have a great high priest, but it's not of the uh, anybody here on this earth. It's Jesus Christ who's in heaven. And so, yes, should you confess your sin to your priest? Yes, the great high priest, Jesus Christ, all right? So he's not talking about going around telling everybody about, you know, all the, 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 the sins you've committed, but this idea of confessing faults, okay? And again, you compare this with other scripture, because by the way, folks, remember what the Bible does. It never contradicts itself, it completes itself, okay? And that's why as Christians, we're to study, we're to compare Scripture with Scripture on uh, uh, as we're studying the Bible. But these faults here, uh, if, you looked, if you looked the word up in, in the context, it's talking about unintentional errors or willful transgressions against another person. And what it's talking about is this. If you, as a Christian, have offended another Christian, if you've sinned against another Christian, God wants for you to go to that other Christian and confess that fault to them. He's talking about keeping a right relationship with your fellow brothers and sisters of Christ. That's what he's talking about. Amen? And by the way, folks, notice here, that's part of the physical healing process. Okay? Have you, have you, have you ever heard this, this saying before? Confession is good for the soul. 
You've heard that? That's not just a, a, a cute saying. That's a Bible principle. Amen? And it's amazing how God has linked our physical health connected to our spiritual health. You'd be surprised about how many things uh, people face physically that, truth be told, if they were honest and you could get to the root of the problem, uh, physical problems relate to spiritual problems. So, so that's, that, that, that is so true. I mean, for example, they tell us one of the number one killers of health is that of stress. Okay, stress. And what is, if you really break it down, what is stress? Stress is being, you know, it really is worry, concern about things that truth be told, we have no control over. Right? I'm going to preach a message Sunday to try to help calm the waters a little bit about everything that's going on in our world. I'll be honest with you folks. It's very easy to get caught up in what's going on. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be concerned about things. I'm not saying we shouldn't pray about things. But listen, if you're just constantly feeding on the mainstream propaganda... Okay, because that's what it is, by the way. If you're just constantly feeding on that, oh my goodness, we were driving the other night and I got satellite radio in my truck and I turned the radio on just for a few minutes so I could catch some of the... I was so depressed after listening to it for about 15, 20 minutes. I'm like, what am I doing? This is ridiculous, right? But so all that to say, amen, um, uh, we are uh, we are to, as the Bible says here, go to one another and we are to uh, confess because confession will help us, yes, spiritually, but also physically. Why is that? Because when we confess our sin to God, folks, listen to me, there's something, when the Bible says He shall cleanse us from all unrighteousness, literally, I mean, I, I don't know how you are in your Christian life, but there's been times before where, where I know I've done things I shouldn't have done and I've sinned against a person and man, the Holy Spirit was bringing conviction, he would not leave me alone until I went and to that person and, and humbled myself and confessed and got things right, and immediately that burden was lifted, amen? And, and, and if there's things in your life, and we're going to kind of dig into it a little bit deeper, listen to me, the Bible says to confess our faults one to another. By the way, when we do this, it does several things. First of all, it makes us right with God, Amen? And by the way, as a Christian, your number one goal as a Christian ought to be to live a life where you're right with the Lord. Amen? You ought to live a, right, a life right with God. Because let me tell you something, if, as a Christian, if you're not right with God, it affects a whole lot of different uh, other things. I'm going to tell you right now, it's impossible as a Christian to have peace, joy, and happiness if you're not right with God. It's impossible. God has set it up in such a way to where, you know what, you won't have that joy, you won't have that peace, unless your relationship is right with Him. By the way, I'm not saying you got to be perfect. Amen? None of us are. But I will say this, as Christians, we need to keep an open line uh, to our God. Amen? And by the way, there's a lot of things that want to clog that line. Sin, self, all right, and on and on the list could go. So when you confess your faults one to another, keep yourself right with others, number one, it will make you right with God, and then it will allow God to be able to heal you. By the way, there's a lot of hurting people, a lot of people that have, have, have inside hurts or spiritual wounds. And truth be told, the reason they're not, that they, they, they don't heal because they don't want them to heal. They would rather carry around whatever grudge, whatever bitterness, whatever ought they have against somebody, and instead of letting God, well, they shouldn't have done that. Well, you know what? Maybe they shouldn't have. Maybe you had a legitimate right to have a beef with somebody. But folks, listen to me. You want to carry that around? How's that burden working out for you, by the way? Right? 
I'm going to tell you, confession, being right is way better. So it allows God to heal you. It reconciles the offended party. It clears your conscience of the offense. And this is kind of what, what the, the relation is to James chapter 5. It takes away the barrier to, to unanswered prayer. And by the way, folks, listen to the Bible. is very clear. that God says that if we regard iniquity in our hearts, the Lord will not hear us. You know there are some prayers God won't hear? Okay, you know why? Because we've put a barrier between us and God. Amen? So let's dive right in. Let's look at some passages. Go to Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. I pray that as I'm preaching this to you, teaching this to you tonight, that if the Holy Spirit brings something to mind, do not ignore it. Amen? There's a reason God... I honestly... Almost went another direction with this tonight. I almost kind of uh, looked at something else, another uh, responsibility one to another, but the Lord kept bringing me back to this. So listen to me. If the Holy Spirit's working on your heart about something, listen to Him. Amen? Listen to Him. Proverbs uh, chapter number, I, I said uh, chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 25, I'm sorry. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 8. That's where we want to start at. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 8. And we're going to look down through here these uh, through verse 12. Now, Proverbs, if you've been reading through Proverbs, like I've challenged you to do, the proverb of the day, some Proverbs are what I call standalone Proverbs, okay? Uh, not all the book of Proverbs verses interconnect. Some of them are just, are just standalone verses. But some of them do interconnect. And this is a passage that at first, if you're not, uh, uh, you don't uh, see the connection, you may think they're standalone, but truth be told, they do uh, build upon one another. So let's look here, beginning in verse 8. Notice what it says, Go not forth hastily to strive, lest thou know not what to do in the end thereof, when thy neighbor hath put thee to shame. Debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself, and discover not a secret to another, lest he that heareth it put thee to shame, and thy infamy turn not away." A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver, an earring of gold, and an ornament of fine gold. So is a wise reprover upon an obedient ear. Now, how do all these verses tie together? All right, well, first of all, notice what it says, first of all, do go not forth hastily to strive. You know what he's talking about there? Quit blowing your top. Quit losing your cool. Alright, that's what he's saying. And the Bible has a lot to say, especially Proverbs, about being slow to anger, slow to wrath. By the way, aren't you glad God's slow to anger with us? Amen? One of God's main attributes is long-suffering. Alright, let me tell you this. If God is long-suffering with us, I'm going to tell you, nobody has wronged anybody as much as mankind has wronged God. Okay? And so if God can be long-suffering with us, we need to be long-suffering with others. So don't be hasty about it, okay? Don't lose your cool. Do not be just just, just run off, uh, losing your temper to strive. Why? The Bible says, Lest thou know not what to do in the end thereof, when thy neighbor hath put thee to shame. Okay, think about what it's saying there, all right? Most people that lose their cool and just start popping stuff off, truth be told, the things that they're losing their cool about aren't usually even the truth anyway. Once you start discovering, I mean, come on, if you ever heard something about somebody, maybe somebody said something about you, maybe somebody's done something that, and you just thought it was this certain way, and you all of a sudden just went and started going off and, 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 and uh, acting the fool toward a person, and then come to find out when you heard the whole story, you had egg on your face. Come on, we've all been there, all right? Why am I, uh, I feel like I'm all alone up here tonight, Amen. <laughs> Come on now, all right? I, I'm just uh, the one up here having to say it, okay? 
And so that's true. So that means this, don't be hasty about it. What should you do, and this goes back to this whole thing of what we're talking about, uh, uh, going to one another, confessing to one another. Notice this, debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself and discover not a secret to another. Now it's interesting, that word debate, alright? What he's talking about, it's not blowing your cool. It's not just, you know, mouthing off. It's having an intelligent conversation is what it's talking about. Okay? And by the way, folks, we ought to, as Christians, and just as decent human beings, ought to be able to, if somebody wants to come to us and talk to us about something, be able to have an intelligent conversation without losing our cool and saying things that we shouldn't say. I mean, come on, folks. I mean, really, where's our spiritual maturity at? Amen? All right? So what you do is, you go to that person, and we'll look at some other passages in a minute, you debate your cause, and notice this, this is so big right here, with thy neighbor himself, okay? And discover not a secret to another. I'm going to tell you, that's where we get into most problems right there. We have to tell somebody else. And I'm going to tell you, you know how many problems could be avoided if we would just apply that principle right there, Amen. Now again, what, what else do we see then through, through the rest of the, of the passage here? Now, verse 11, and, and we've read this before, but man, within the context it makes sense, doesn't it? A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Listen, that is, a, that, was, that is within context as, as we're talking to people trying to work stuff out. Amen? It's like literally a work of art when your words can be used properly to heal instead of hurt. Amen? And I'm going to tell you something, folks. If you can figure that out, if you can just apply these Bible principles, you will save yourself 80% of the problems you're going to have in life right there. Amen? Because sad to say, that our, our tongue right here gets most of us in problems. Amen? All right, let's go to another passage here. And, of course, this is the New Testament parallel to this passage, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Of course, this is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, uh, or what we call uh, the Beatitudes, where Jesus here is teaching His disciples. And um, Jesus, uh, uh, many a times, would teach and preach to the multitudes. But if you understand the context of the Scripture here, the Sermon on the Mount was to the disciples. When Jesus first called them, He had to spend some time training them and rewiring their thinking a little bit. Amen? And by the way, if you spend time with God, He'll rewire your thinking, I can tell you that. Because most of us don't think biblically, alright? Matthew chapter 5, and I've taught through all these verses before, I'm not going to uh, uh, dive super deep into it, but let's get right to the verses we're talking about, alright? Verse 23, Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. All right, again, we're talking about keeping ourselves right with one another, confessing our faults or, or making sure that we're, if there's aught, we, we get it taken care of. Therefore, verse 23, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, all right, he's talking about, uh, of course, back in the, the, the temple uh, times where they would bring their offering uh, to the altar and bring their sacrifice to the altar. That's what he's talking about. It's a, it's a spiritual act, if you will, all right? Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and notice here, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee. Okay, so you're trying to uh, obey the Lord and be involved in spiritual activities, but think about about this, and their remembrance. By the way, who do you think sometimes helps you bring things to remembrance? Not your wife, husbands, amen, all right? No, you know who? That one part of the Godhead living inside of us, Holy Spirit of God, amen. He'll bring things to remembrance. 
I mean, listen, that thought just popped in my mind. Well, where do you think sometimes those thoughts come from that just pop into your mind? Amen? Holy Spirit. And now remember is that thy brother hath ought against thee. Uh Uh-oh. Guess what? I'm trying to come before the Lord, but I'm not right with my uh, my fellow brother or sister. What do I do? Verse 24. Leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. God says, stop what you're doing. Quit trying to act spiritual if you have things in your life that aren't right. First, be reconciled to thy brother, then come and offer thy gift. Amen? So what he's saying here is this, all right? In order to be right with God, you've heard me say this before, vertically, amen, because our relationship with God, vertically, we must make sure that we're right horizontally with the people in our lives. And we're talking about, folks, uh, obvious things that, you know, we've done wrong, obvious things where there, there's enmity between a fellow brother or sister, okay? I mean, it's very specific here, all right, what it is. And what he's talking about is this, go to that person, get it right, once you get your relationship right, then come back and bring your gift, amen? So God is teaching us the importance as Christians as keeping our relationships right with one another, particularly fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Acts chapter 18, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 18, go there. Matthew chapter 18. Let's look at another instance here we see. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. All right, verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee. All right, let me tell you, from time to time it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Okay? I mean, listen, folks, <laughs> as much as we're together as Christians and as much as we all have to live in the flesh, there's going to be some trespasses against one another. That's why God takes some time in the Bible to talk about it. Amen? All right? If thy brother trespass against thee, go trash him on Facebook. Ain't in the Greek. <laughs> Not there. Okay? Let's go tell everybody about him and see how many people we can get on our side. Not in the Greek. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go. Okay, so you know what that means? You must take action. Okay, you go. What do you go and do? Tell him. Did you see what it said? Him. Not them. Him. Go tell him his fault. Notice this. Between thee and him alone. Huge, huge right there. Huge. I'm going to tell you, as Christians, we need to get convicted about, we need to have the Holy Spirit rake us over the coals about not obeying that verse right there. Now, come on, folks. Jesus gave this instruction to His church to make sure problems were handled properly. Do you think God knows what He's talking about when it comes to dealing with problems? I think God knows. Amen? So why are we not obeying a direct command of Jesus Christ? Okay? Shame on us. Amen? All right? Go tell Him alone. Now notice this, if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Here's what I found out in my dealings with people in my over uh, 20-some years in the ministry now. All right, Here's what I found out. Most problems, and, and I'm going to say 95% of problems, when you obey verse 15, 95% of problems are dealt with, taken care of. Brothers and sisters can walk away in harmony, things right, if we'll just obey verse 15. 95% of problems. Now, there are some things that, you know what, uh, have to be taken to the next level, and if they didn't, the verses wouldn't be in there. 
Verse 16. But if he will not hear thee, and sometimes you'll find that, amen, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. All right, so it means this. You go to a person, you try to get right, they refuse to hear you. They don't want anything to do with it. They're not handled at Christ-like, but you got to get the problem resolved. So what do you do? All right, here's what the Bible says. Two or three more people that are involved in the situation or trusted uh, 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 fellow Christians that are spiritual, by the way, okay, that aren't going to go publish it on Facebook, okay, or anywhere else for that matter, that you can trust, to go with someone, by the way, let me just say this. If someone trusts you enough to ask you to help them with the problem, okay, listen, uh, don't destroy their confidence by mouthing off about whatever they're trying to come to you to get help about. I mean, come on, folks, these things ought to be common sense to us, but unfortunately, sometimes in the church of Jesus Christ, they're not too common. All right, you go to them with two or three more, then the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Again, most situations, if it has to go to that level, will be taken care of. But guess what? Not all of them. Because if they all were, verse 17 wouldn't be in there. And if he shall neglect to hear them, by the way, dangerous ground if a Christian has to take it that far. Because they're so stubborn, they're so proud. Okay? Verse 17, if he neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. You know what that's called? Church discipline. And that's things no most preachers won't touch with a 10-foot pole. Okay, It's not a pleasant thing to have to deal with. It's not something as a pastor you ever hope you have to deal with. But from time to time, if a situation arises, that how that's how it must be dealt with. Think about this, folks. Jesus Christ's church is so precious to him, so precious that he doesn't want it blown apart with a bunch of stuff, a bunch of nonsense and carnal stuff going on. Amen? I've talked to someone uh, tonight that was dealing with a situation where a church is blowing apart. I mean, literally at the seams, just exploding apart in a negative way because things were not handled properly. And it's going to wreck a community. It's going to wreck families. You know why? Because the pastor didn't have the backbone to deal with the problems. Amen? I'm going to tell you something, folks. We uh, Listen, the church was so precious, Jesus Christ was willing to give His life for it. I mean, we're as husbands to love our, our wives as Christ loved the church. You men tell me what you would do if somebody was coming and trying to harm your wife. Okay? You, would, you, you, you know what you'd do. Amen? Amen? You'd stand up for her. At least you should. All right? And defend her. And what It doesn't matter what it takes. She's your bride. You protect her. Let me tell you something. God, Jesus loves His church just like that. And He's going to protect the church. Amen? And so, if it would have to get that far, that's the biblical formula how to deal with it. And there's other places. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians talks about those things as well. But here's the thing, folks. It should never have to get that far. Never. Because here's the thing. The only reason it would get that far is if there's pride involved, okay, and a haughty spirit. Okay, listen, just be humble. Be humble enough to talk to somebody, work something out without losing your cool. Amen? Because that's what the Bible says to do. Let's look at one more passage here and we'll close this out. Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. I hope I'm helping you tonight. Amen? And uh, this is Bible. This is Scripture. And again, it not everything in the Scripture is all filly good, you know, filling with your heart all warm and fuzzy when you leave. Amen? Acts chapter 19, but this is the stuff we need. 
This is good, solid, biblical teaching. Acts chapter 19. Let's look at verse 18. Now, this is pretty interesting. Uh, if you back it up a couple verses, and let's do that, because I always love reading verses in context. Amen? You don't want to just pull a verse out of context. Read all the verses around it. Of course, this is God, verse 11, God brought special miracles by the hands of Paul. Paul, of course, was uh, uh, doing things to get the church kick-started, going around on these missions trips and uh, helping people. God used him to heal some people and all that types of stuff. Well, what we see here in verse 14 is uh, the, the story of the seven sons of Sceva, who was a Jew, and they tried to cast out an evil spirit. Verse 15, And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? By the way, that's a warning to all of us as Christians, amen, that if we are involved in spiritual warfare, that we better make sure we know what we're doing, amen? All right, we better make sure that we have the right relationship with God, with Jesus, that close personal relationship. By the way, again, it's interesting how all this stuff's interconnected, amen? This idea of having a close relationship with the Lord, you can't have unless you make sure you're right with one another, okay? Why do you want to have a close relationship with God? So God can use you to do things for His glory and His honor, all right? And so these seven sons of Sceva, uh, they were trying to cast out a demon, but they didn't really know Jesus, verse 16. And the man in whom the evil spirit was leapt on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Man, talk about eating some humble pie. Here you are, thought you had power over people and trying to impress people with your powers to do this and do that. And you just got humiliated by a demon-possessed man because you didn't really know God. I'm going to tell you something, folks. Our relationship with God ought to be the most important thing we have. Amen? And notice here, let's keep going, verse 17. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus. Now there's a reason this happened, okay? Obviously it happened because these these seven sons of Sceva uh, didn't have the right relationship with God and they were trying to do this for show and who knows what other reasons. Okay, but God used this to instill fear upon people. Look at what it says in verse um, uh, verse 17. It says, And fear fell on them all. Amen? And by the way, when you see God do certain things, uh, the reason God does certain things is so people have a healthy dose of fear of God. Amen? Let me tell you something. We all as Christians need to have a healthy dose of the fear of the Lord. I'm afraid sometimes we we uh, we have a jaded view of who God is. I'm going to tell you something, folks. This this idea that Jesus is some long-haired homeboy that wants to be everybody's bestie—that's not a biblical interpretation of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying he doesn't love people and he doesn't want to be their friend. He offers that, but let me tell you what always comes with that relationship: holiness. Amen? Holiness. That's another subject for another time. But but uh, uh, you see this here. So God will use these circumstances so fear will fall. And notice what else it says. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. You want to know what God's goal is in the life of Christians? For the name of Jesus Christ to be magnified. Amen? Let me tell you something. That ought to be all of our goals is to lift up and magnify the name of Jesus Christ. Now here's where we're going with this. All right, look at verse 18. And many that believed, all right? So as a result of this situation, people got saved. And many that believed came, Now notice what happened when they got saved, and confessed 
and showed their deeds. And it goes on to say other things they did when they got saved. But part of what they did when they got saved, part of a sign of true conversion, is the fact that, you know what? You get right, yes, with God, but you get right with other people. Amen? Alright, that's a sign of a saved, born-again person. So when a Christian wants to harbor bitterness, wants to harbor anger, wants to lose their cool, doesn't want to be right with other Christians, something makes me suspect about that. Either they're not truly saved, or if they are saved, they're backslidden and not right with the Lord. Amen? Because a Christian who has a good relationship with God will want to do his best to have a right relationship with other people. And the Bible does say in the book of Romans, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Amen? As much as lieth in you. Here's, here's what that means, folks. Listen. You can't control what other people do or don't do. Okay? You can't control. You can't control what a person, how they're going to react if you go to them and want to talk to them. Some people may not even want to have a conversation with you. Okay? You can't control that. So as much as lieth in you, that means this. You know what? A person may not want to get right with you, but in your heart you can be right with them. Amen? And you can make sure there's no, no bitterness, there's no anger, there's no hard feelings toward anybody uh, in your life. Whether or not they want uh, to get right with you, you can be right with them. Amen? And so listen to me, as Christians, confess our faults one to another. Amen? Let's make sure that as the church of Jesus Christ, yes, we're right with God, but part of being right with God is making sure we're right with other people. And let's keep that relationship right. Let's keep that relationship strong. I often say this, and I, sometimes I hate to even say it because I know the devil's listening. Amen? But let me tell you, one of the reasons God's working here is because there's a spirit of unity here. A unity. Amen? What are we unified around? Well, we're unified around the Word of God. Amen? Amen. We're unified around the, the Bible, the biblical teachings of, of wanting to be like the Lord. But let me tell you, there's a spirit of unity amongst the church. Let me tell you, folks, I'm just warning you because I've done it before. I will always warn you about this because I know how the devil works. One of his tactics is to bust up the unity within the church. It's to bust it up. It's to get little oughts going here and oughts there and, and getting this person against this person. Amen? Listen to me. I want all of us, every single person, to guard against that. Amen? You guard against it in your own personal life. Dads, you guard against it in your family's life. Okay, if you see something going on in your family, take the bull by the horns, handle it scripturally, but hey, let's handle it, amen? Right? Because listen, folks, I want this thing to keep going the direction it's going. Guess what? Satan doesn't. He hates it. He hates it. So he's already got plans in place. He, he already tries to do things and, and uh, get things going so he can keep that unity from being what it ought to be so that we can be what God wants for us to be as a church, Amen? I'm going to tell you right now, uh, the day we allow the devil to get in here and start uh, causing schisms here and schisms there and oughts here and oughts there will be the day that White River Baptist Church loses its effectiveness. Amen? And I, I'll be honest with you, folks, it keeps me on my knees. keeps me walking guard. keeps me, hey, keeps the pulpit hot. Amen? You know why? Because, hey, we're all human. We all deal with this stuff. We all got feelings. Amen? We all have the flesh we got to contend with. But, the, but even through all that, as long as we stick with the Scripture, amen, as long as we'll follow the Scriptural guidelines, we can keep this thing going the right direction, amen? And as long as I'm at the helm here, that's the direction we're going to go. So let's all work together and let's apply these Bible principles. And hey, let's be the church that would please Jesus Christ, amen? By the way, remember, this ain't my church, this ain't your church, it's His church. Amen. It belongs to Him. We are the body of body of who? The body of the pastor? Nope. 
The body of the members? Nope. Body of who? Christ. Amen? And so let's live a life that would bring Him glory and honor. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you for the truth of the Scripture.